You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. And hello and welcome to Let's Talk Pets with Dr. Jeff here on Pet Life Radio. I am your host the next half hour, Dr. Jeff Werber. And normally I, I'm broadcasting live from Los Angeles, but here I am in New York, so I'm on actually your time zone. It is noon here in New York. It is a great day, great summer. I'm actually I'm broadcasting live from Birch Coffee, which is, happens to be my cousin's coffee shop. Not that I'm promoting anything, but why not? And uh, actually there are four of them in the city and they're fantastic. If you're ever in New York City, you got to look for Birch Coffee. And it's, it's great stuff. So we are here. We are here for you, actually. We are here to talk pets. We are here to answer your questions, to uh, help you enhance that relationship. We're here with the help, of course, of my sponsors, which are ProSense Pet Products and Kong Toys. As a matter of fact, if any of you get the nerve to join us here on our show by calling 877-385-8882 or just joining in on the conversation, log on to Pet Life Radio. And click on to ask the vets with Dr. Jeff, and you will be able to join us. And just by asking a question, letting me help you answer, we will send you out a live, a phenomenal product for your pet, for your dog or cat, a ProSense product, and a Kong toy just for coming on live and asking us a question. How easy is that? Free information, free product. You can't beat it. So over the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about skin problems, and we were talking about how weird it is that dogs and cats that have allergies, even inhaled allergies, as like we have hay fever, don't necessarily have respiratory signs like we do. They don't get that scratchy throat. They don't sneeze. They don't get the runny nose. What they do is they scratch and a lot of scratching and a lot of skin problems, a lot of secondary infection. So what we need to do is help them. And one of the things I brought up when we were talking about food allergies, and interestingly, even with food allergies, our dogs and cats scratch. They get sores, they lose hair, they get scabs, they are just so uncomfortable. Here's how to um, help solve the issues, and and what we're going to do is we're going to talk about some of the problems that we see when we have our pets that are presenting with, say, vomiting. So let's talk about, for the first time, let's talk about vomiting as a problem, and the question is, when should you worry? When is vomiting a major concern? When is vomiting not such a bad concern? And what can we do? How do we tell what having a problem or not having a problem? So here's some guidelines. The first thing I like to do when I hear that a pet is having any kind of gastrointestinal upset is I like to, and I'll ask the owner, I'll see for myself, is how does this pet look? Does this pet look like he's sick? Because if he's not looking like he's sick, then I'm probably not going to worry that much. I also would want to know how frequently is the pet vomiting and what's coming up. Is it just phlegm? Is it bile? Or is it food? And if it's food, how soon after eating is the pet vomiting? Is it happening immediately? Is it happening several hours later? So these are all the questions I'm going to ask. I'm also going to want to know, if your pet vomits, does he go right back to his food and ready to eat some more? That's also very important. Obviously, a dog or cat who's just ready to run back to the food bowl and eat again, obviously isn't that sick. Because if they were, they'd be really feeling lousy. And we'll see it. We would see it in just how they behave 
after or during the vomiting episode. So the first question I'm going to ask is, what brought on the vomiting? Did it come on sort of like an insidious, slow onset, or did it happen immediately after or soon after they got into something that you know they shouldn't have gotten into? I mean, uh, you know, a dog goes out and eats grass for whatever reason. And that's a, it's a good question because we always ask, you know, people always ask, and I even want to know, do dogs eat grass because they know it's going to make them vomit? Do they eat grass because they like it? It's soothing. It's sweet. It's moist. Not realizing that 20 minutes to a half hour later, it might make them vomit. So here's sort of my guideline. And believe me, nobody really knows the answer to this. But the thought is that there is a way to get a dog to not eat something. We call it aversion therapy. What do we do? We put something in that which they are eating to make them vomit immediately. Dogs don't really love to vomit. So what will happen is if they eat something that makes them vomit immediately, most likely they will avoid that product again. So they become averse. They become an, it's like an avoidance therapy. So we develop an aversion to that product, that active ingredient, that food, whatever it is they're eating, to want them to keep them away from it. If, however, the vomiting episode happens long after, 20 minutes, half hour after the ingestion, if they liked that which they ate, they will go after it again, even though it makes them vomit, but it makes them vomit. They don't, they don't make the connection anymore. It happened too long ago. And I think that's what it is with grass. I think most dogs that eat grass don't vomit immediately. It's a delayed episode. But they like the taste. They like the sweetness. They like the moisture. It may even soothe their stomach initially, so they go after it again and again. What they don't realize is that, yep, 20 minutes, 30 minutes later, they're going to vomit. And therefore, they will keep going after it. And I see some dogs, even my own sometimes, that will just literally run when they get outside for whatever reason. They run after the grass and they start munching it like as fast as they can. So that's one issue that can cause vomiting. Certainly getting a hold of you know, overeating, what they call engorging themselves. That can cause vomiting. Eating something bad, eating something that's an irritant, a gastric irritant can cause vomiting. But so those are the direct causes of vomiting. And I'm less concerned about those than I am the vomiting that's coming from some other organ dysfunction. Now, usually when we have a dog in liver failure or just liver disease, if we have a dog with kidney disease or kidney failure, they most likely will vomit because as those enzymes elevate, we are going to see one of the side effects, if you will, is going to be vomiting. So now we have a metabolic source of vomiting. It's not just because they ate something that they weren't supposed to eat. The episodes are coming from the fact that they are, in fact, being poisoned, if you will, by the buildup of byproducts, of enzymes, because of the organ dysfunction. So these are the dogs that are, the vomiting episodes are, first of all, they sometimes come on insidiously. You can't necessarily link it to that which they may or may not have eaten, because there's nothing in the history that would help you. And more importantly, they usually don't. And if you really think about, they haven't been feeling good. They have not been feeling up to par. So these are the dogs that are totally, may not even want to eat. So you say to yourself, wait a second, the dog's not eating. How are they vomiting? What are they vomiting? They're vomiting bile. They're vomiting phlegm. If you, in a case of um, a dog that maybe ate something too fatty and has what's called pancreatitis, pancreatitis is an inflamed pancreas by definition, that usually happens when they eat really high fatty foods. And once that pancreas becomes inflamed, they are very inclined to continue to vomit. And the problem is these dogs are usually, again, you never say never, you never say always, but these dogs are usually really sick. 
their abdomens are very tender to the touch. So your veterinarian will want to actually see the dog. And if they feel the belly, they actually palpate the abdomen, they'll see and they'll realize a very tense, painful, tender abdomen. So this too can be a problem. And these are the dogs that definitely are going to require some sort of follow-up, some sort of laboratory work, some sort of diagnostics to try to evaluate why is this dog vomiting. Likewise, if a dog who has a tender abdomen, maybe somewhat of a bloated appearance to the belly, and is vomiting soon after, well, not soon after, you use them and they vomit immediately, and they don't even go through the, the heaving episodes, the what we call the upchucking, they are mostly regurgitating. When I see that with regularity, I'm going to think about something that might be lodged in the esophagus, which is the tube that's coming from the mouth into the stomach, and that's called regurgitation. We don't have that heaving first. It's just almost, it's like it's, like it's instant. They eat something, they open their mouth, and out it comes. That's regurgitation. That usually means some sort of problem up in the store we call the cardiac portion of the stomach. I had one of these cases years ago when one of those uh, tube of bones got lodged into the uh, esophagus. And the, this dog actually had, you could see it on x-ray. Nothing can get past this thing. We had to go in and we couldn't even remove the bone fragment, the piece of bone that was stuck. So what we ended up having to do was push it into the stomach and then we had to do surgery to get it out of the stomach. Esophageal surgery is something you do not ever want to try. It can lead to esophageal constriction and it could be something that's much, much more dangerous. Whereas stomach surgery is something that's much easier on the pet. But when you have this dog that is going to vomit several hours or even within an hour later, now you have to think of the same thing. There may be a blockage somewhere, but that blockage may be lower down in the GI tract, somewhere in the intestine. It's usually even out of the stomach. So whatever it was successfully got into the stomach, successfully started passing through the intestine, but then lodged somewhere else. Some areas where the intestine gets very thin, one is called the ileocecal junction. So a lot of products can get up to that point and then all of a sudden get lodged after that point. And that too presents a problem because then the the question is diagnostically, where do we go from here? But of course, that is something that you need to see your veterinarian. And once we get into the diagnosis, if we will, then we can talk about the different possibilities of how to help these things. So before we go on our break, just to recap quickly, the important things are to determine how your dog is acting or your cat is acting. And let's talk cats for a second. Because cats vomit frequently, and they often can vomit hairballs. But what's interesting about a cat, and this is what people don't realize, because they'll call me, cat's acting fine, but it's vomiting. But what's coming up is just some phlegm. I might bring up the point of hairball, and they go, no, no, it can't be hairballs because there was no, I didn't see the hairball. And to that, I say this, that when a cat vomits hairballs, if you're lucky, and if the hairball was in the stomach itself, then yes, that clump will come up, and it looks kind of tubular, uh, and that's because it has to go back from the stomach into the esophagus, and the esophagus sort of brings it up and causes a, a tube effect. But the key is that it doesn't necessarily have to have the appearance of a, a tube, and it doesn't even have to have a hair in it to be caused by hairballs. And I'll explain why in just a few minutes when we get back from our break. Once again, you're listening to Dr. Jeff Werber here at Acevets with Dr. Jeff here on Pet Life Radio. And when we come back, I want to hear from you. Give me a call at 877-385-8882 or log on to us online at Pet Life Radio. Click on Acevets with Dr. Jeff and let's see uh, if we can help you with some of your questions about your pets. Lovely subject, vomiting. We'll be right back. 
We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. This is my tired of itching face. Does your dog suffer from persistent itching and scratching? Allergies and skin irritations caused by environment, including pollens, insects, especially fleas, food and common household allergens are common problems in dogs. It's easy to alleviate your dog's discomfort at home with ProSense. ProSense itch and allergy products provide fast relief from symptoms like itchy, irritated skin skin infections like hot spots and watery eyes. ProSense products are veterinary formulated and recommended to ensure the very best for your pet. Try ProSense today. Your dog will thank you for it. Pets love life. Love them back with ProSense. It's dinner time in America, where more pet parents trust PetSmart for natural and expert recommended foods than any place else. And now, we've added more than 100 new varieties to our already wide selection of your favorite brands, like Simply Nourish, Authority, Wellness, Science Diet, and more. Do what's best for your pet. At PetSmart, happiness in store. Go to PetSmartDeal.com to find out this week's coupon code and save up to 30% on food, treats, toys, and more. And get free shipping on orders of $49. Go to PetSmartDeal.com, P-E-T-S-M-A-R-T-D-E-A-L.com. Pet Life Radio, the number one pet radio network on the planet, joins forces with iHeartRadio to put the power of your pets in your pocket. Awesome. Download the iHeartRadio app and rock Pet Life Radio on your phone, on your tablet, on your Xbox, in your car. Pet talk, pet tunes, and fun pet times. Pet Life Radio and iHeartRadio. Positively possum. Hi, this is Tim Link, host of Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Join me as we feature interviews with best-selling pet-related authors, award-winning writers, journalists, and bloggers. And we'll tell stories about the animals and interesting topics about the animals in our lives. Each of the interviews will give you a first-hand knowledge about why the authors and writers chose a particular story, what the feature animals meant to them, and what has become of those animals that we've talked about. And of course, I'll also share stories from my own books, blogs, articles, and experiences. So be sure to join me and the writers and authors on Animal Rights. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back. You are here live with Dr. Jeff Werber here on Pet Life Radio. Ask the Dr. Jeff. Um, and I'm broadcasting live from New York. I am on the Eastern Time Zone from noon to 1230. And of course, if you are in the West, it's 9 to 930. And anywhere in between, just take your pick, whether you're Mountain or you're Central, you can figure it out. I want to hear from you. So please, if you are sitting and listening and you want to talk, you want to ask questions, we are on the lovely subject of vomiting dogs and cats. Then give us a call at 877-385-8882, or you can just join in the conversation here on Pet Life Radio. Click on the Ask the Vets tab and scroll down and just join in, ask the question, and I will answer you. You can also send me an email to Dr. Jeff, drjeff, at petliferadio.com. 
and we will conclude you in on the conversation. And of course, as a reminder, thank you to our sponsors, ProSense Pet Products and Kong, that anyone who calls in or writes in or sends me an email and we read your questions or answer your questions live, you will get a free ProSense product for your dog or cat and a Kong toy or treat for your pet as well. So you can't lose. Free advice, free product, some fun time for a half hour here at noon to 12.30 or 9 to 9.30, and uh, hopefully we can give you some information. My job, of course, is to enhance that relationship between you and your four-legged furry friends. So before the break, we were talking about the lovely subject, as I mentioned, of vomiting, and when to worry. When is vomiting something you can sit and wait on for a couple of days? When is vomiting something that you need to, to have immediate attention? And before the break, we were just touching on the subject of hairballs and cats. And why is it that oftentimes a cat can have hairball vomiting and you won't see a hairball? And here's the reason for that. When the actual clump of the hair is in the stomach and the cat vomits, most likely that clump of hair will come up. Think of it as a sink with, you know, the drain going below the sink and that sort of S-curve. Once the plug that is causing the sink to fill up makes it out of the sink itself, oftentimes it's sitting right on that drain. It hasn't made it through yet. So as the drain fills up, whatever it was is still in the sink. So if that sink overflows, the possibility is that this is going to overflow as well. Whereas what happens though, when that plug makes it out of the actual sink and now it's somewhere in the piping below, the sink is still filling up. It's still plugged. But when it empties and starts to overflow, the cause of the blockage is no longer there. It's already somewhere under the sink or under the house even. So that's really basically what happens with hairballs. It is something that once that hairball gets out of the stomach, it's still going to cause the vomiting. It's still something we need to treat, but you won't see the hairball come up. How do you know when it comes to a cat? The same criteria. Cats that vomit hairballs, first of all, usually once they relieve themselves of that hairball, they're going to go straight to their food. They want to eat some more. They don't seem to be affected one bit from the hairball itself. So in that way, there's really little to worry about. And of course, to help prevent them, very simple, frequent brushing, a hairball remedy, a hairball food or a hairball treat. I mean, there's so many ways now to deliver a hairball remedy for your cat. Things they love and uh, something that should be done anyway. And don't kid yourself into thinking that if I have a short-haired cat, I don't need hairball remedy. But the only cat that can avoid having hairball remedy would probably be the Sphinx. Maybe some of the Rexes, because Rexes don't shed often. But mostly, if, if you have a cat, they groom themselves like crazy. And interestingly, the more allergies they have, the more likely they're going to groom themselves, the more hair they're going to ingest, the greater the likelihood of having a hairball. So that's a no-brainer. Just do it because it's the smart thing to do. So back to the dog. So if you have the dog, or I'd say the cat as well, if they seem to vomit, but they're acting totally fine, they are happy, they're running, they'll eat if you offer them more food. A couple of things to, to think about. Number one, don't give them more food right away. Because for whatever reason they vomited in the first place, that stomach now is irritated. It's, it's kind of like uh, taking a, a sack and, and wringing it out. It's just, it's just sore. It's irritated. It's inflamed. So anything you put into that inflamed sack is potentially going to come up again. So even something as benign as water. I can't tell you how many times that I get a call from a client, their pet is vomiting, and they run to the, the water bowl and they gulp up water and they vomit again. And the owner feels sorry because, oh my God, they're going to get dehydrated. So what do I do? They give them more water. And they drink that water and they vomit again. What you don't want to do is put anything into a stomach that has or has been vomiting. So what do you do when the dog is acting fine? And it's a great sign, by the way, and I tell clients this all the time. The fact that they want to drink water is fantastic. The fact that they want to eat is great. But don't let them. 
So what you do is this. You will give them maybe a couple of ice cubes in their water bowl. So as the ice cubes melt, if they want to get a little bit of water, they can. Plus the cold water is kind of soothing. But they can't gulp a lot at once because we don't want them to. We want the stomach to rest. When we have a pure gastritis from some sort of irritant, because something they ate, the last thing we want to do is to have that stomach continue the vomiting cycle. So we give them just some ice cubes at first, let them suck on that. 12 hours later or so, they've gone the rest of the day. They're acting fine. They're not vomiting anymore. Maybe that evening you'll give them, oh, a quarter to a third of their regular meal. If they eat that and keep that down, and a few hours later, you can give them a little bit more. But you don't have to feel guilty. They can go easily a full day, 24 hours without eating. And we're not even asking you to do that. We're just asking you to go maybe 12 to 15 hours. And when they do eat, give them a much smaller amount. If they continually are holding that small amount down, then by the next day, you probably can go for it and give them the regular meal. But you want to watch them carefully. And of course, you want to watch what they may or may not be. Now, if you have a dog that is continues to vomit, but still is acting okay, this is where I ask you to search around your house. And I'll ask, do you have the kind of dog that will just pick things up and eat them? Do you have kids around the house? That maybe, you know, are you missing a sock? A pair of underwear? I'm telling you what comes out of these dogs sometimes blows my mind. I can't tell you how many dogs love to go through hampers. So don't ask. They do it. And I can't tell you how many times I've pulled things like that out of a dog's intestine. So what happens is they're still feeling good because the stuff gets, it starts passing through. But then all of a sudden, it hits that spot where it just lodges. And the problem is, when we talk about the diagnostics, that a lot of these things won't show up on an X-ray. Now, if they eat something that's metallic. I had a dog once that actually liked to eat medallions and coins. They were small enough to pass. That wasn't the problem. The problem was there's something called copper toxicity. They can get some uh, lead toxicity. So what happens is they start getting sick from, say, the copper, which gets an, an anemia. They start getting lethargic. Their gums look pale. And you take the x-ray, and sure enough, you see something there. And mom will say, oh, yeah, I know that. You know what? I've seen him you know, swallow a coin before, or he ate his dog tag. So you know, we'll never figure out why they do what they do, why they eat what they eat. So obviously, that was a surgical disease. So to make the diagnosis, I mean, the first thought is x-ray. Because if you have something that's very dense, or even something that's not dense by itself, but when it's clumped up, you might see it, then you can see something on an x-ray or an ultrasound. And then, you know, kind of depending on where it is, what the options are. Now with ultrasound, we can sort of do a lot more than we used to as far as diagnostically. When we don't know what's going on, but we assume a blockage, we can sometimes assume a blockage because there's a certain pattern. We call it a gas pattern on x-ray that usually indicates that somewhere along the line, everything's coming to a dead stop. And when that happens, then too, we have to work to relieve that. We can do a dye study. It's a, we call it a barium study. And with barium, what we do is we have them ingest a dye that shows up on x-ray. We kind of watch it follow through the intestinal tract until it all of a sudden comes to a dead stop. And at that point, you can clearly see, uh-oh, something's there. Now, if we're lucky and something's in the stomach, uh, it could be retrieved via a scope. And sometimes we're not so lucky, and it has to go in, uh, your doctor, your veterinarian, will have to go in surgically to remove it. If we have a thing like uh, pancreatitis, so let's assume that, that that's assuming we have a, a blockage or something physical that's causing the vomit. When, as I mentioned earlier, the source of vomiting is metabolic, it's because of kidney disease, it's because of liver disease, it's because of pancreatitis, of course, then the treatment plan is totally different. This often requires hospitalization. Diagnostics, of course, and that is made via blood tests, ultrasound, and or x-rays. 
Sometimes we have to show what it's not just as easily as we have to show what it is. So a full battery of tests is often in order, especially if the dog is ADR, ain't doing right, is acting lethargic, is acting sick. And then so we go ahead and do our diagnostics and go from there. These animals are going to be hospitalized. These animals are going to need IV fluids. And we have to treat, try to treat at least the underlying disease. So as you can see, vomiting can range anywhere from a simple thing that you can call your veterinarian, get the right questions answered, something you can give it a few days, treat at home, and your best gauge is just how your pet is acting, ranging all the way to something where there's a clear history of having ingested something, which is going to require most likely some sort of intervention, whether it's going to be through an endoscopy or a surgery, or there is seems to be nothing they got a hold of, but they're really acting sick, their tender abdomen, they're painful, in which case we're looking at complete diagnostic workup and hospitalization to treat the underlying disease. So love to hear from you or at a time. Boy, a half hour goes fast. So once again, if you have more you'd like to ask about the subject, go ahead and reach me on my email at drjeff at petliferadio.com. And or next week, we're going to talk about limping. Again, their range is from a simple limp that came on suddenly, nothing to worry about, give it a few days, to possibly needing some sort of traumatic intervention, surgery, limb amputation, you name it, depending on the cause. So we're going to talk about that. So get ready. If you think you have a question, you want to talk about your pet's limping, be ready next week to give us a call at 877-385-8882. Or this week, go ahead and send me an email to Dr. Jeff at Pet Life Radio. I want to thank our sponsors, ProSense Pet Products and Kong and our retailers, Walmart and Target. And we'll be here, same place, not, not the same place, same time. I'm going to be back in L.A. See you then. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.